Welcome to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis. Someone once pointed out to me that I invariably start the show with the word and, and they tried to tell me that was a bad, bad thing. Well, I say to that, Paul McCartney starts that song with and, and I think it's rather lovely. What I also think is rather lovely is he's coming to Auckland playing in about a month. I'm a little bit excited. Hey, welcome to the show, show number 189. I hope it's a gorgeous just day wherever you are it certainly is here in Auckland I'd love you to be part of the show text me 3920 keyword live that'll pop up on the screen in front of me or tweet me tweet me and that'll probably set off about nine devices in my trousers and bag that sounded wrong in my pockets tweet me at Vaughan Davis later on Anna Connell returns to the show with enough food apps to make you wish you'd had your dinner already and well we've got the download the download on the robot doctor that nobody wants. First, though. Radio Live Sunday Social, welcome to the show. Minister of many things relating to communication, Claire Curran, how are you? I'm very well tonight. It's big grey in Dunedin, but, you know, it's Dunedin, so it's fabulous. And and as of now, you've got a theme song from Sandow Ballet. How about that? But you you, 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 you would have picked that already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have picked that one, but that's okay. Oh, it's a cracker. It's a cracker. Hey, uh, so, Claire, you've been a regular at internet and tech events for much of your nine years in Parliament, including this week delivering a keynote at Auckland's NetHui. You've recently been made Minister of Broadcasting, Deep Breath, Communications and Digital Media, Minister for Government Digital Services, Associate Minister for ACC and Associate Minister of State Services. That's quite a lot of things, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite a lot of things, but they pretty much all, all link up with each other, which is fantastic. Yeah. And I, I've described them as my dream portfolio. Well, I was going to ask that, and, you know, never having been, you might not know, but I've never been in Cabinet before. Um, I, I, don't, I don't quite know how these things get doled out. Is it, is it sort of like, you know, there's a, the, picking picking a, uh, a kid's soccer team and the, you know, the, 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 the weak skinny ministries get picked last and, you know, state services, ACC, and the popular ones go first? How does it work? Well, look... State Services Commission might sound pretty boring to the listeners, but it's actually pretty important. That's the sort of business of government. Uh, uh, my bit of it is um, called open government, which is something I'm pretty passionate about, um, which is how we build more trust between citizens and government. Uh, and I think I've got a reasonably broad brief there. It cuts across a lot of other areas and I've got to build good relationships with other ministers as well. I've already got good relationships, I hope, but good, really, really collaborative working relationships. And then I don't think it would be any surprise to, you know, the Prime Minister and, and other senior ministers in our new government the things that I'm really passionate about, which uh, include broadcasting, the woeful gap in public broadcasting in this country plus anything digital so it's all there so is that what it comes down to you know you're sitting around a room and and they go what's you know what what's clear into what's fill into and 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 that's how the uh, portfolios are, are doled out or is it a little bit more clandestine than that 
Well, I, w- I wasn't there. <laughs> I did get a couple of calls and had the opportunity to have some input. Um, but I was, you know, to be honest, Vaughan, it's such a privilege to be um, given the opportunity to be uh, an MP, let alone to be in government and then to be in Cabinet. And I feel I described it at NetHui as having done my nine years of digital apprenticeship um, that I think that's been recognised and I was just only too pleased to say yes. I didn't haggle, <laughs> I just said yes and I just want to do the best job I can in the time that I'm here. So let's let's dig into that digital thing because I, I, I've probably um, or known you as a strong word but I've, I've seen you around the traps for, for the last eight <laughs> or nine years at, at digital things, you know, NetHui which is a, a sort of public good internet conference and a, and a bunch of other things. Where did your interest in matters digital come from? Have you always been a, a, a bit of a geeky one, or is, is that a recent no, development? I'm not geeky at all, really. Um, I, I describe myself as a futurist, um, you know, and I'm, I really like trying to join the dots between things. Um, the things that really ha- brought me into Parliament was that whole thing around government needing to be more open and transparent and more responsive to citizens so that that cynicism that exists between people and um, and elected government um, can be broken down. Uh, that's one of the major things. The other one was um, I'm a former journalist and I li- lived in Australia for a long time and I was absolutely um, passionate about the importance of the fourth estate and uh, I just felt, you know, felt when I came back to New Zealand that that had really been run down a lot in New Zealand and more effort needed to be put into it and I'm still banging on about it and now maybe I'll get a chance to do something about it and I'm honestly I got the portfolio of community it was called ICT um, when I first became an MP um, Phil Goss who was the leader then um, said oh Claire you you know about communications you've got a Um, Twitter account well, I've been running a, a small but perfectly formed PR company out of Dunedin, which did quite a lot of work across New Zealand and mm-hmm. a little bit in Australia. And I think he sort of said, oh, Claire, you know about communications. Here's ICT. And, and that's how I sort of fell into the whole telecommunications, broadband. Um, it's an economic portfolio. And I, you know, I've learnt on the job. And I think it's often the best way to, to learn. And... I've met so many great people, and you're one of them, and we actually probably met on Twitter first, so that's where we meet a lot of each other these days. Like, like um, all my favourite people, I was, I was just thinking, you know, as a New Zealander who spent some time in Australia, you could have become an Australian Cabinet Minister for a short time at least anyway. I uh, don't think so. I don't think that would work at this point in there's, time. There's, there's a, bit, a bit of a bit of a hunt going on at, at the moment. So there's open... a bit of a problem with dual citizenship there. We don't have that issue here. Um, that got sorted out some time ago, and they really should sort it out in Australia. But it's a constitutional matter. Oh, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Now, mm. open government. Before we, well, maybe this is talking about the digital stuff. There's there's a, an expression um, in internet circles that information wants to be free. And certainly, the, you know, the <laughs> hardcore internet folk um, believe that any sort of secret or any sort of public data being being kept uh, private is, is, you know, a crime against humanity. What does open government mean to us? Well, it means a few things. And um, so there's the whole thing about data and how we make data more accessible 
to people and people who want to do things with data, which can be really creative solving problems, whether they're public good issues, transport issues, whether they're, you know, other things that affect communities or whether they, you know, think, oh, you know, there's a good business idea here. Um, and, and that's really important. But there's also an issue around privacy and sensitivity of data. And uh, I don't think the previous government really uh, worked through those things properly and really got them right. So we've got quite a bit of work to do there because we're moving much more into um, algorithms and um, I use this phrase at NetHui called algorithmic transparency, which is a bit of a new phrase for me, but I think it's something that is clearly uh, a debate and a discussion that needs to be had. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's a yeah. balancing act, isn't it? On, on the one hand, we, we often, you know, um, shake our heads that this government department doesn't know what the other government department's doing and, you know, um, welfare's view of me is different from health's view of me is different from education's view of me, yet I don't want them all sharing information necessarily. So it's a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? Well, it, there are some very deep conundrums uh, and the conundrums are around how and what is the intent of the data and what are the protections for the um, for the citizens involved. We need to do work on that. I've described, put this un, under a, an umbrella called digital rights um, and, and potentially something called a digital bill of rights. I'm looking for people who really want to work on that. With me, I think there's some great minds out there in the community. Um, there's also great minds inside our government um, that are, you know, thinking through some of these issues. But um, this is... This is really important. We've got to get that balance right so that we can, you know, make data available, be more transparent, proactive release of information so that people don't think that government's got something to hide. And, and so at I the guess... same time, protect people's individual so that they're not being used as predictive, um, you know, or, and having marks against them because, Point, you know... Points on a graph. And, and, That's and, right, points on a graph and, and also because they, they fit these kind of categories and therefore the, these kind of behaviours are attached to them and, and that can end up on people's records. And I guess one of the first cups of tea you'll be having, if you haven't had it already, will be with the Privacy Commissioner, John Edwards, who absolutely knows how the internet works, which is which is a pretty you know sweet outcome for you. Absolutely. have already met with the Privacy Commissioner, um, We'll be meeting with the um, the ombudsman. Um, uh, so I, I think I've alluded to the things that I'm, and of course I can't do that all of these things on my own because, um, and I have talked to some of my colleagues who are also deeply interested in these things. But the Privacy Act, the Official Information Act, um, the Whistleblowers Act, you know, these things are need reform. They're very outdated. And, and, the and like, has done a lot of work into it, but the, the work's never been implemented. So and, and like we've so really many, got to get our act together. And like so many laws, they were they were written with the best of intentions before, you know, the internet came along. I was watching the news about APEC this week and, and it struck me that while a lot of government is, a lot of ministers especially, are involved with forging connections with their opposite numbers and other governments, the the internet, which is sort of largely where you play, is is kind of transnational. So you know, dealing with Facebook, dealing with Google, dealing with Amazon is almost just as important. So have you got meetings lined up with those people? Yes, I'll be meeting um, with. Well, you know, my door is open. Obviously, I can't meet with everyone at once, um, and I have only been in the job two weeks. Um, 
but I'm um, I do want to engage uh, more because you know I know a lot of the people in these areas and have had a lot to do with them over the years. Um, there are thorny issues. There's also opportunities, and of course that's the other side of the coin. That this is, you know, can we become uh, a, an economy where a digital economy where we are known throughout the world for being really smart. Um, we're enabling new uh, technologies. We're enabling new startups to become medium-sized. We're giving them the opportunities in government, you know, through through using government um, procurement potentially to be able to build scale and. Um, and really kick ass. And, and innovate in lots of ways. I kind of hope my 15-year-old son's not listening because uh, last night he came in and said, oh, where's my passport? Because I want to buy some Bitcoin off this dodgy website. Hey, after the break, uh, coming back with Claire Curran, Minister of Broadcasting Communications, well, I'm just going to say etc. Back soon. Welcome back to Sunday Social. With me from Dunedin on the phone, Minister of Many Things Communications and Digital, Claire Curran. Welcome back. Hello. Hello. You talked about, uh, before the break, the idea of a digital bill of rights, which was interesting. Tell me more about that. Well, um, you know, it. I guess if you look over the last sort of well, decade, really, in New Zealand, um, there's been a growing emphasis on, apart from the fact that the internet has just taken over, you know, our lives, whether it's business or every other part of our life pretty much um, that and we've become more of a global community uh, but there's been a rising um, uh, set of issues around cyber security and um, and you know the, those sorts of things and there's been and the previous government put quite a lot of emphasis on that and and there was legislation that passed the, the um, harmful that, digital communications act yeah, which, which no, yeah, no teenager and, seems ever to have heard of just quietly i know that's quite right um they didn't there was no consultation with young people at all um which was a big criticism i had but um but also around telecommunications companies the potential for there to be security involvement and how we're making different changes in our in our telcos and our and the technology generally but at the same time the the rights of citizens in in all of this and consideration of the rights of citizens has sort of been left out of the equation and uh, there's been a bit of debate over the last few years about whether or not there should be more emphasis put on that. And I mentioned privacy, I mentioned privacy rights, um, uh, I, I mentioned the protection of whistleblowers, um, how data is moved around, um, those sorts of things. I think it's time. And so whether it turns into a Bill of Rights or not or something else, that's where we need the best legal minds, the best cyber minds in the country to be thinking about these things. What about the right to access? That's right. So you mean the access of access to access? Well, I mean just access to the internet in general, because I, I oh, know absolutely. in New Zealand yes. um, electricity is is regulated, and you know the the providers are required to um, assure us of continuity of supply. But the internet, which arguably we depend on even more, especially when it comes to government services, is kind of left to the free market. That's right. Look, I um, I. Uh, I can say quite firmly that in Labor's policy, that in the last few elections actually, we have talked about um, 
the universal right of access. Um, what that looks like um, is, you know, is, is probably needs to be fleshed out in a legis legislative sense. Um, but I think it's, um, and this brings me to the whole digital inclusion, the the gaps, the divides, digital inequality mm. um, that's emerging in our country um, is that we we need to put uh, a stake firmly in the ground for the universal access to um, the internet as being a, a core part of uh, of our our rights, our digital rights. Which, and, which is, which and is easy so, to yes. ignore if, if, you know, you're sitting here in Auckland and I'm surrounded by digital devices and if the government says, hey, you've got to do this online, no problem. But, you know, if you're in the back blocks where coverage is bad or you can't afford the data or you can't afford the device, it becomes a little bit more challenging. A, sto a story which just sticks in my mind, uh, and you may have heard this, is that the ratio of imprisonment to home detention is higher in Northland than it is anywhere else in the country. And have you heard this story before? No, I don't think I've heard that particular and, one. And the reason why is poor data coverage because they can't put home D bracelets mm. on people if they don't have mobile coverage. So there's these unintended consequences oh. of imperfect access to the internet, right? Oh, look, there are so many unintended or even intended consequences from that. And um, so take a, um, somebody living in Ranfurly who is uh, on a benefit. Uh, Ranfurly, for those who don't know where it is, is in the South Island in the lovely central Otago. It's very cold. Um, <laughs> and very hot. Um, uh, you know, they need, to, uh, they need to, they've got a requirement to contact and be in touch with work and income um, every week. Um, there might be something that needs to change with their benefit because they might have had a few uh, had some work, etc. Uh, it, it's incredibly hard if there isn't a physical presence in their town um, for of the government agency for them, and they've got a prepaid phone, so um, and don't have very much money and run out of money to put um, uh, to have any data. How do they interface? Well, I guess, um, I guess one one answer. I guess one answer is through the you know a transnational approach. We've got you know not far from Ranfurly, um, Google has been trialling Loon, which is a you know a, a, a stratospheric balloon internet solution. Facebook's putting up their I can't remember what they're called, but they're big aeroplanes with uh, with internet. So yeah, maybe it's maybe it's not just a national solution. One thing I want to ask about just just before we close is. The idea, and this is one of the things you spoke about at NetHui, one of the um, the hundred days things, I guess. Uh, the idea of a, a chief technical officer, which is something we don't yet have. Tell me what that is, and and, and why you think we need that. Chief technology officer. Chief technology um, officer. Yeah. So we have a chief science officer in New Zealand, um, but we don't have anybody who is looking outwardly at our country and strategically helping to develop a digital architecture or a blueprint for what we could be doing better, where the opportunities are, where the risks are, what we need to be doing for social inclusion for everybody to be able to access the internet so that nobody is left behind. So kids um, aren't being disadvantaged because their mum and dad don't have um, internet access at home. Um, and how can we be encouraging and enabling as government um, the, the the companies that can become the companies of the future. How can we be encouraging every company, small companies, small businesses, up to the larger ones, to be more 
technologically um, aware and uh, and and capable, and how can we be deciding as a nation uh, how we can make our digital economy our number one export earner? These are exciting things. That's why we need a CTO. Every future-focused nation in the world is moving in this direction. We've been lagging behind. Um, we are doing some good things. Putting the USB in was a good thing, the ultra-fast broadband. It's good infrastructure, but we've got to do a lot more than that. That's why a CTO is so important, and, it, and we should have done it a few years ago. That's why I'm not going to sit on my hands. It's going to be one of my early priorities. Hey, so if you think you can be the Elon Musk of Lambton Key, uh, you, you probably should give Claire Curran a call. Hey, um, Minister, thank you so much for joining me tonight on Sunday Social. Thank you. It was fun. It's always fun here. Come back. Hey, after the break, Anna Connell joins us with the apps and websites of the week, including the lowdown, well, speaking of uh, digital inclusion and, uh, and the internet, the robot doctor that no one wants to visit. Back soon. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. Hey, and of course, if you are in the future of the internet, because you might be listening uh, to this on a podcast in the year 2525, who knows? Hi, how are you? Uh, and don't forget you can listen back to all our interviews at radiolive.co.nz under shows and Sunday Social. And as mentioned, we're a podcast on iTunes. Just have a bit of a nosy and you'll find it before you know it. Anna Connell, welcome to the show. Hello, Vaughan. How are you? Good. You've been out in the sunshine. I have. I've got a bit of colour, haven't I? Uh, you have. Everyone, everyone, <laughs> everyone that comes on the show, um, Julian Waters, sunburnt. Anna Connell, sunburnt. Um, must be hard, to, you know, reading your laptop screen in the in the bright Auckland sun. It's just really unexpected. I didn't because it just suddenly happens one weekend. You suddenly get sunburnt, don't you? You it do. Didn't happen last weekend. You're not ready for it. You're not ready for it. No. Hey, um, have you, I mean we've all received um, scammy emails. Um, I th- I th- most weeks, most weeks, one gets through to me. Probably, I'd say. I wouldn't say most days, but most weeks. Um, have you ever replied to one just for fun? No, I haven't. Because I think, you know, I used to work at a bank, and you sort of taught that if you touch it, it will explode the entire banking system. Yep. So yep. I never did anything with them. Because the last thing you want to do is is reveal to the scammers that you are a real person with a, an active email address, right? Exactly. Because they've, they've sent Anna, Anna Connell and Anna Connem and Anna Connep yep. and, and so on. All the, all the Connellips. All, 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 all the permutations. Well, um, NetSafe, and I, I love these people, um, New Zealand crowd, have come up with a, a bot uh, to hit back at scammers and Every week we have a bot story. This one's this we one. We do. Quite... I feel like like bots in the new apps, eh? Back in the day, the bot used to be something you got that gave you a sore <laughs> tummy and made you go poo poos. But this is a different. This is a different kind of bot. This so... is fantastic. I love it. It's it's awesome. So essentially, they've they've built a bot which will reply to scammers. So it's a chat bot, a robot who chats for you, and it's in got. Text multiple identities so um, if you go and have a look at the website rescam.org there's a whole lot of sort of different faces kind of morphing in and out but essentially what it's designed to do is engage those email scammers in long conversations long email conversations because that will then kind of tie them up and stop them from trying to scam other people I think that's genius but because behind every one of these is some dude I always imagine it's a dude because they give dude names usually I Um, always get like old ladies. Oh, do you? Yeah, In like Nigeria? Alice. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Alice well, there's some there's one. some person in some. I, I picture this badly ventilated room with a, a slowly rotating fan and in, in the tropical heat, tippity tapping into their into their beige '90s Windows 95 computer to scam you. And by deploying this bot, you use up their time. And while they're talking to the bot, they can't be talking to another victim, right? No, I think it's really clever. Yeah. But what if they bring out their own bots? Well, how do we know they're not bots already, to be oh, honest? Oh, so what this, this, <laughs> So we've just created bot email warfare. It's well, like being in a big workplace. <laughs> well, well let's, let's just assume, yeah, exactly, where the, the out-of-office replies yeah. start generating more out-of-office replies. Or the replies. reply alls that, yeah, and, you know. And before yeah. you know it, wham, bam. Um, to use it, all you have to do, well, the easy thing is go to rescam.org and just read the instructions. But the really simple thing to do is when that email comes in from, um, you know, Nigel, the long lost uncle in Ethiopia who's left you, you know, 25 million pounds, if only you could send him 100,000 first, um, <laughs> forward that email to this address, me at rescam.org, then leave them to it, which yeah. I think is rather wonderful. That's awesome. That being said, a friend of mine who works in advertising like I do in the day um, received an email saying uh, he'd inherited um, a, a great tract of land in uh, Ireland and he had an ancestral title. Turns out he did. Was it true? It was true. Oh, it was goodness. true. It was, it was rather burdened with debt and taxes, but it was true. Wow. It was true. He went over there. He was the lord of the manor. <laughs> I know. And now he just serves. Now he just Surfs. See, I would just probably have ignored that and missed out on having a title. And you'd get increasingly frantic letters from the from, from the lawyers lawyer. in Ireland <laughs> saying you are that you are the thane of Cork. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the thane of Cork. I'm not the thane of anything. Um, this, this is the bane. This is the bane of my life. Is the uh, is the big change to Twitter? The big change to Twitter this week. Ugh. I know. I'm against it. Well, I'm against it. Yes, so I've had mixed feelings about it. Should we say what it is? Well, yeah, so basically Twitter has expanded the number of characters you can use. So it used to be 140 characters because that's what text messages used to be, which actually, when you look at it now, is really arbitrary, right? Um, and so they've expanded it to 280 characters. And I, do, you, do you know you, could, you, you used to be able to tweet by texting? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. you still can. Can you? So yeah. you, you send a text to TWTR or whatever the number, you, the number you can equivalent still do of that, it, I think. And, and it tweets on your behalf. Yeah, I remember having a friend who didn't have a smartphone but would just text Twitter. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so they've done that. And I, look, I have to admit, I'm really struggling <laughs> with my friends who know that I struggle to read a book will find this really amusing, but I'm really struggling you get with bored, the, you get the bored, links. You get bored halfway through my eyes three just, sentences. I dart my eyes dart off halfway through the two eighty characters. As as the um, as the internet uh, abbreviation goes, T L D R. Exactly. Too long, didn't read. But uh, you know they've got to try something. They've got to try something at Twitter because you know it's been I don't know ten years and they haven't made a buck. Yeah, I know. I mean, actually, yeah, it was interesting. I was looking at a Twitter ad in my feed today, and I was like, God, who's still doing Twitter ads? But um, I guess. You know, we'll see how it goes. I think you'll get used to it and you'll adjust to it like you do every one of the changes that they make. And actually, when you think about it logically, it was a, it, it's a weird restriction to have had. But now they kind of just have another restriction. But, I mean, as, as, as kind of a professional writer, it's mainly what I do, I liked the constraint of, of getting that perfect 
140 character tweet exactly and also having it perfectly punctuated and spelled. Oh, me too. If you're doing it for work, I remember doing it for the bank and, you know, sometimes you spend half an hour trying to get everything you needed into one tweet and you nail it. That's where our bank fees go. Half an hour for a tweet. (laughs) Half an hour for a tweet. That's disgusting. Um, Next up, you know, coming next is, is five extra syllables in a haiku. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of yeah, it kind of okay. ruins it for everyone. Yeah. Hey, um, this is this is this is not banks, but this is hospitals. Um, speaking of you know well-funded entities, I really was drawn to this story when I read it um, earlier this week. Um, it hasn't made a lot of noise, but uh, in Waikato, we, we used, do you still spend some time down I there? I do. I'm you down do there every week. Yeah. You, you can you can knock on the door and say what's going on here. So they tried a virtual health app, a kind of, not, not a robot doctor, but remote video and text access to doctors and nurses. So far, so good, right? Sounds brilliant. It sounds kind of cool because, you know, why go all the way in there to say, hey, my arm hurts when I do this, mm, when you could mm. do that from your farm in Morrinsville. Yes, um, yep. Is that in the Waikato? I don't it know. is, I, in, yes, there, very good. There, there you go. Um, and, you know, get your consultation without all the driving and all that sort of stuff. Um, so they launched it which is great. So far, so good. They launched it in May. Uh, it has cost $17 million. You think, okay, well, that sounds like a bit big money. Uh, that's like three houses in, in, in Ponsonby. Yeah, but a good investment. A good investment. And, you know, what, what's a hospital ward cost? Digitising the health service. Digitising the health service. Uh, and it's been going since May last year. It's November this year now, so it's 18 months or so. And that entire time, 2,422 people have given it a try. Actually, it might have been fewer people than that because that's how many consultations there have been. Maybe that included some follow-ups. I think they've, they've, it was only 853 video consultations. The video, the video consultations. And then total d- just over 2,000. Two and a half thousand. Yeah. <coughs> so doing the numbers, that's 7,000 dollars per consultation yeah that's um <laughs> that's that's some good dentistry work that is that is that, yeah that, that is that is some pretty top shelf stuff i've got to say though i mean that that's just the total project cost divided by the number number so far so in another year it might accelerate there might be more of them but there haven't been very many i wonder why I wonder why. I wonder whether people just aren't at a point where that's how they want to engage with their health professional or don't trust it necessarily. Maybe feel like they're getting a, a sort of a not as good service or something. But then, I mean, God, you go into a busy emergency room in any hospital in this country and it's just frantic. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's, it's, you know, in New Zealand um, we're used to getting really good health service for nothing. So to be offered video for nothing is not exactly an upgrade, is it? No, no, it doesn't feel like one. But, I mean, it's surely it's got to become the way because we have overcrowding in our hospitals now, you know, and we have people turning up to emergency rooms with the flu when, you know, actually they probably... You, sh- you should have an arrow through your head Well, probably should something. have just gone to the GP. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, and I know they're doing some great work in, in different parts of the country. Dr Lance O'Sullivan is doing some yeah, stuff doing in some Northland, cool stuff. doing video and, and some artificial intelligence stuff. So, you know, maybe it's just an idea that, uh, whose time has not yet come. But sitting behind it, when we do a bit more research, this, this Waikato thing is a, a, an American thing which is wildly popular called Health Tap. And this is, I don't know if I'd say this is the website of the week, but it's the one that's interested me a lot, healthtap.com. Now, this is kind of somewhere between 
a good doctor and Dr. Google. And what healthtap.com does is pulls the resources of 108,000 doctors, that's quite a lot, and millions of people whose arm hurt when they do this. My arm hurts, yeah. My arm hurts when I do this. And you can put in your questions and either get generic answers based on, hey, you're, you know, you're a male of this age and, and this is your symptom, and that's free. Or you can pay $10 a question or $99 a month and get to do what they're doing in the Waikato mm, or mm, not doing, mm. um, which is connect with a real doctor. And it's going bananas. They reckon, they reckon they've saved uh, 2,700 lives at healthtap.com and answered 6.6 billion questions. I really like it. I mean, I wonder whether there's something in the anonymity of that yes. service that maybe people don't feel they have with the Waikato one. I don't know. Because because the doctors on HealthTap could be anywhere. Yeah, because if you've got some really weird health thing going on, you know, and there's so much people are really reticent about talking about, maybe there's a piece in that. Yeah, I don't know. I think I really like the concept. I need someone to figure out what's wrong with my hip. There you go. Well, go 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 <laughs> go to HealthTap. Go to healthtap.com. Maybe do it in the air break, and uh, we'll, we'll see what's wrong with your hip. And if they can't, if the free version can't work out, work it out. Maybe we can we can spend ten dollars of the show's money on uh, on diagnosing Getting it, and diagnosis. that will be from a real doctor, one of one hundred eight thousand doctors. Probably it's probably Doctor Nick Rivera from uh, from The Simpsons. Hey, <laughs> uh, after the break, the, uh, the well, the other websites and apps you just need to get through the week. Back soon. <laughs> Welcome back to Sunday Social. Don't worry, be happy. There's a bazillion out there. Well, three bazillion if you happen to have an Android phone, Anna Connell. And you have found one. You have found one that's uh, maybe just in time for dinner time. If you, if you want fish but you're allergic to fish. If you want fish but you're allergic to fish. Yeah, exactly. So there, it's called Substitutions. And what it is is basically a kind of whole database of substitutes for a range of different foods. So if you, it works in a couple of really cool ways. A, if you need something like cream of tartar in a recipe. I mean, who has, I don't have that lying around. Um, and you can just pop it straight into the app. You download it from the app store, obviously. It is paid. It's two ninety nine, And as you've pointed out, it's only available on iOS. It's only available on Apple. <laughs> I know. What's the substitute for Apple, Vaughan? Oh, that would, that, that would, be, that would be Android. That would be Android. Worst you joke. can substitute am, Android for Apple in, in yeah. most recipes, but not in a pie. But it's really handy. And so it will, you just put in cream of tartar and it will come up with a whole lot of different things that you can use as a substitute. Sodium triglyceride. Yeah, I think it just said vinegar, but um, similar. The other thing that it's really handy for is if you've got if you've got someone who's you know celiac or allergic to a bunch of different things or vegan or you know doing different diets, all that sort of stuff, you can easily go through and say for example in a recipe where someone might be allergic to eggs, you can sub in half a banana or something if you're doing pancakes. Well, no, or, do you know do you know what you sub in? Do you know what you sub in for eggs? Do you know what you sub in for eggs? I'll oh, tell I don't you. know why I've I'll bought this app. I'll tell you. you. No, know this answers. is good. This is good. <laughs> The, the goo that looks like snot that comes from a tin of um, chickpeas. Oh, yeah. I've Have heard, you heard this before? I've heard that, yeah. How gross. Just eat an egg. Yeah, I know, but if you're allergic... Oh, well, so have hives. Have hives. <laughs> 
I don't know. <laughs> die. Anyway, I think who if, would eat the snot? If you're from a, if you're a cook or you've got people in your life tin. that can't eat certain things, I do highly recommend substitutions if you have an iPhone. Well, it's kind of interesting. Um, I, I I I I sort of um, shudder when I think about this because uh, I once I once ate carob. Oh right, yeah. It's not that bad. It's awful. Yeah, I it's mean, worse than bad. I don't it's really worse eat than it the now because it's chocolate. It's as if the worst chocolate in the world yeah, got got left yeah. in a cupboard for ten years. Because you know it's dog chocolate, eh? That's that's why I. What can't do you mean eat it's it dog chocolate? Also, we have like little chocolate drops for our dog, and they're not chocolate. No, they're carob because chocolate is not good for dogs. They die if they eat it. Good grief! I know you learn something good new grief. every day. Do you know what that makes me want? Chocolate. Oh. <laughs> um, no, I always want that. Uh, it makes me, I might even do this on the way home, uh, a good feed of fish and chips. Fish and chips. Should, well. should I, though? Should I? Should I? Should I? It is fraught. Nah, it's, like, it's delicious. It's, it's like Uber. No, it's Sarah's all, Sarah, Sarah's, Sarah in the booth is two thumbs up for the fish and chips. <laughs> well, you need to go and check out the new app from uh, New Zealand Forest and Bird. Wait a minute. I'm just going to call you up right at the very beginning there because um, I've been to the sea. You've it's been? not a forest and it has no birds. Yeah, I know. So what, what are they poking their sticky beaks in this one well, for? Well, yeah, I mean, the name's a little bit misleading, isn't it? They might need a bit of a rebrand, but... Um, they have popped out a wee app, which basically, if you're shopping for fish, will let you know really how sustainable that fish is from the point of view of how much it is being fished. And um, it's a bit depressing, isn't it? Vaughan? It's really depressing because <laughs> I'm, I'm scrolling through the app and there is a, in the best fish guide, which is the best no fish guide really, um, it traffic lights all the fish. So they're not actually saying that the fish are coloured red, green, and 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 amber. They're not really. Um, and if you if you rank them from okay to stay away, actually there's only two in the entire ocean that are okay. There's only two, and they are palmed, uh, <laughs> palmed, farmed power and farmed greenlit mussels. And beyond that, it starts getting orange and red and orange. Oh, wait a minute. No, no cockles. I forgot cockles. cockles. Cockles, pilchers and, ch- and tuna. Tuna. And then all the way down to the bottom of the sea... Rock lobster? ...is red. Red. Yeah, red. I know. So so basically, it's kind of their effort, really, to let consumers know that a lot of the fish that we are buying and eating is, in fact, being overfished and... Um, that we probably need to be more aware of that. But it is really depressing because you scroll down to something like Red Snapper and it's just a big fat red no-go zone, isn't it? Yeah, and the the other thing that kind of um, doesn't fill me with a lot of sort of confidence or love for this app is cod. And cod's a nice fish. Mm. Cod's a nice fish, blue cod. Um, Trawler-caught cod is very, very bad. Yeah. But pot-caught Cod, that's hard to say. Pot I'll have cod. some pot caught cod. Um, it's fine. So I've got two cod here in the studio. I've got, I'll get them out. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, no, here they are. Here they are. Oh, I've got the wrong ones. On the, oh, sorry, I had them the wrong, wrong way around. So so there's two cod, yeah. and they're good-looking cod. I'm yeah. going to have them for my dinner. Looking at them, Anna, which one is the trawled cod and which one is the pot caught cod? Yeah, but see... How can you know? No, but wouldn't you ask at the source? Isn't that part well, of... Well, at the, the, the guy on $12 an hour at the countdown... Yeah. Excuse me, is this pot caught cod? <laughs> I think that would probably be fine at some countdowns. Oh, I suppose it would. I yeah, su- but look, I think, you know, they're just trying to do a job around letting you know that what you're currently eating and enjoying isn't going to be around forever if we keep eating and enjoying it at the same rate. So yeah. I commend them. So just eat eat it, but don't enjoy it. That's, 
that's that's the message. Just just get, wrap your laughing gear around some cockles. They're yeah, fine. It's uh, it's 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 out there right now. It's free and depressing for Android and iOS. Yeah, wrap, wrap your laughing gear around some cockles. <laughs> some <laughs> that's despicable. Or some or some farmed power. You know, so you know you're out yeah. there. You're struggling to make ends meet. You want to feed the family on s- some sustainable fish. Go get yourself some farmed power. Farmed hey, power. kids, we're having farmed power. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? I'm a power farmer. <laughs> I'm a power farmer. I'm a Power's power farmer. It's not a hard son. thing to get right from I'll an eating point of view either. Power to love. Power farming's done. Yep. Power farming. Um, prices. So moving out of the fish department. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the supermarket most days, actually, Anna. Yeah, I try to avoid that, but, it, yeah. No, well, the, the, the reason I do that is because I'm sort of surrounded. It's like, it's like the, the supermarket's trying to ambush me. They've, they've gone, we're going to put a supermarket here, 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 and here. Literally four supermarkets, walking distance to my house. And I've, I've thought, there's no point in keeping food in the fridge or food in the cupboard. No, there's I'd not buy in that situation. Every day. And I've become quite aware and quite sensitive to the prices of things, but you can only do that week by week or day by day. It's kind of hard to get a, um, a long-term view, but a, a helpful data scientist is on it. I know. So uh, he has built an app. No, it's not really an app, is it? It's a website. It's a website. We- a web app, let's call it, um, where you can essentially compare the price of food um, over the course of a number of years. It well, is ten, 10 years. 10, ten years. years for some things. Um, it is pretty cool, really. So he's a data scientist, Aaron Schiff. I'm sure I know him. He's a, he's a Twitter, kind of a Twitter guy. He probably Twitter would guy. be. Yep, yep. Um, and yeah, he's he's pulled all this data together. I think with the help of Stats NZ, and you can go through and have a look at a bunch of different kind of food and see what it costs ten years ago, and and see how sharply it's increased in price. So you can actually go and have a look at the price of mussels, your farmed mussels. That you oh, which which are good, which eating. are good, which are good to have. Which yeah, are good to have the green, yeah. the green lipped mussels. They're not actually too bad in terms of price increase. I've, Obviously, I've always thought they're the, the great seafood. You know, ha- having poo pooed the uh, forest and bird app, <laughs> um, the green lipped mussel is uh, one of my absolute uh, bargains from the supermarket. I love it. Yeah. Love well, it. have a look at the price of them. Um, don't look at the price of dairy, especially cheese and butter. Obviously, that's incredibly depressing yeah so it's a it's a neat website you, you, it's it's a hard it's kind of a hard url so i might tweet it um but, but if you just google new zealand uh food price website and there's all sorts of surprises um i, I just, and, and sometimes they confirm what you always thought sausages have gotten steadily more expensive yeah, over the last have 10 you years been secretly suspicious of i that. have been suspicious <laughs> of sausages i've had my i've had my i've had my doubts about the sausages um Kumra has gone bananas. Bananas have not gone bananas. Ah. Avocado has only risen steeply in the last year. Yeah. We kind of knew that. Um, but bacon, bacon... Has come down. Has come down. Ooh. Bacon's come down, which is, which is, which is quite neat. Um, this is an interesting one, the, the, the cooked chicken, the staple cooked chicken. And this worries me. Unchanged for 10 years at just above $10. Yeah, well, what does that say about the fact that they can just keep on... Squeezing the margins because the, the the cost of the feed must be going up. So so yeah. just Google uh, Google food price website NZ and and you'll find that one. It's kind of cool. Hey, oh, time flies on uh, Radio Live Sunday Social. Thank you so much to Minister Claire Curran in the first half. Anna Connell, welcome back as always. In the booth, Sarah O'Dwyer continuing her musical education. 
After the break, Mr. Graham Hill and the Weekend Variety Wireless. I'm Vaughan Davis wishing you, as always, nighty-night.